Hey, everybody. So we are live. Well, technically not live, but this is episode one of Train of Thought. So I've got my guest here, Jason. And just to give you guys a little bit of background, when this podcast started, I wanted to do something similar to kind of a I don't know, the best way to describe it would be like a people of New York style podcast. And so I want to talk to people that I do not know. I want to hear about their stories. I want to know what they can teach me and hopefully in the process, teach you guys something. So Jason, why don't you start by introducing yourself and telling us what you're here to talk about? Um, my name is Jason Beliski. I'm 32 years old. I currently live in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, awesome. I, it's super cool. I, I really enjoy it out here. Uh, what I do is I'm a personal coach. Um, I've been on this path for just over a year now. What I typically do with my clients is I assist in kind of transforming mindsets, um, eliminating limiting belief systems, um, and just overall kind of like an accountability buddy in a sense for allowing people to kind of realize their full potential um achieve that we target goals um like i said eliminate limiting belief systems what would you say are people's generally people's most limiting beliefs like what are the what are the top three limiting beliefs that you find stand in people's way when um when you're coaching them um the number one is probably it'd be a tie so i'll, I'll give you two um you can put these in whatever order you want because everybody's different right um, but the two that come up the most, the first one being like, I'm not worthy of this, just due to things that they may have gone through in the past and they've built up kind of like a, a trauma or a, a limiting belief, as I call it, that's blocking them from achieving their goal, essentially, mm -hmm. or doing what they want to do. Actually, that's a really interesting uh, thing to say because I, I used to personal train. And so I found that a lot of times, one of the biggest barriers standing in my client's way wasn't the fact that they didn't think they could do it, but they were so comfortable with where they were that they didn't feel like they were worth investing in to change because they could stay where they were. And knowing that you actually are worth change and that you are worth putting in effort and that you are worth love and respect and all of those things, that's definitely a big challenge for people to overcome. It is. And that's, like I said, that's the number one that seems to come up when we do like the pre-meeting or like your initial consultation. It's I'm not worthy of this. And I think a lot of it, like I was saying before, stems from past experiences or like a sense of complacency, get really comfortable with where they're at and don't want to achieve more. And sometimes as well, it's just a fear of being different. Man, that is a huge thing because honestly, I've been in both positions. I've been the person that is um, that is up at 3.30 in the morning to go to the gym. I've been the person that trains twice a day. I've been the person that eats, sleeps, and breathes the, the positive mindset or the goal-oriented mindset, but I've also been the person that is complacent. And one of the quotes that I heard that really resonated with me a long time ago was that you have to almost hate where you are enough in order to be willing to change. Because I found that with a lot of my clients, you couldn't use positive motivation to get people to do things. I'm like even saying like, aren't you excited to look good in this dress? Or aren't you excited to be like thinner or this or that? They have to actually get to the point where they hate where they are so much that there's no choice. There's no option left but to change. It's almost 
like in a sense people are scared of being like happy and positive like it's just like we live <laughs> in such a it, this is awful it's true though it is uh, we live in such like a one a complacent society and two just like a we're constantly like bombarded with nothing but like negativity and scare tactics in a sense it's like so to step out of like what's considered normal now it's like i said previously it's, <laughs> people are scared of excelling or being seen as as different because they're so used to oh whatever you know kind yeah. of attitude it's just everybody's like in this lull and now that last year is over and done with you're starting to kind of see the shift and people are starting to take those baby steps towards becoming the person they've always wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's funny, it's funny looking back at the last year, because I mean, for me, it was mon monumental for a lot of reasons, but the global pandemic is something that we can all kind of relate to feeling the weight of, of all that negativity and all the fear and everything that's been kind of going on around us. I mean, for a long time, I think a lot of people felt like, what future do we have to prepare for? Like, what's the point in putting any effort in? Because a lot of people felt like this was world ending and catastrophic in some in some way or like, well, why am I like, what what's the point in trying? Like, if things are just going to get worse, why would I focus on on improving it all? But I liked what you said about like, about there being that constant narrative of kind of complacency is OK. I wondered what your opinion is on kind of the other side of that, the other narrative where it's like the hustle, the grind narrative, the like up before 5 a.m. narrative, all of that kind of that's going on on the opposite side of the scale. You've got those people that are um, putting their nose to the grindstone, some of the people that that just never seem to stop working and pushing and kind of grinding through all of this. What's your opinion and what would you kind of advise clients on in regard to that when you work with people? I'm all for it. Um, as long as it doesn't become detrimental to your mental health or your overall well-being. Um, you see guys like Gary V who are always like, you got to stay up till two in the morning and wake up at five. And it's like, no, bro, that's not healthy. For one. Like, amen. Amen. But at the same time, I read an article not long ago, and it was kind of like a it was clickbaity, but it was also kind of really thought provoking. And it went back to kind of like the industrialization and even further back into like prehistoric times and cavemen and stuff like that. They were, they used the example. They're like, they didn't sleep from 9 p.m. until 6 a.m. They slept mm -hmm. when it was dark. Tired, right? So, or when they were tired. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the, the invent they used like the invention of the light bulb and things like that and like the industrialization of north america and the workforce and things like that that like really ingrained it in our head that you know you got to work from nine to five and then you have six till you know ten to you know enjoy your after hours life and, your life <laughs> right so it's like yeah. no that's not living so i'm all for like busting your ass and like really like grinding it out I did that for years as a music producer. It was mm. work from, you know, eight in the morning until five at night and then come home and work on that from wow. 5.30 wow. till midnight and then, or later, right? And it wasn't until I stopped doing that that I realized like one, it's not healthy to be sitting in front of a computer for, you know, six, seven hours at a time. It's not healthy to be on your phone all the time. Um, and just all these adverse effects 
So all for, like I said, the grind and the hustle. I think what people need to realize is that the grind, the grind and the hustle doesn't have to be all the time. And it can't just be like a wake up, work, work yourself to the bone, work yourself till you're overly tired, work yourself till you're absolutely burnt out. It has to be like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to hold myself accountable, I'm going to be a responsible person, I'm going to set goals, I'm going to pay attention to the things that need to be paid attention to. But that also means that I'm going to work on myself and my personal relationships, my hobbies, all of that stuff. For me, I got caught up in that narrative for so long working in a sales environment where literally all I was told was come to work, make money, like you'll be successful, you'll be able to buy all these things. And I was working 14 to 17 hours a day and didn't even have time to enjoy any of the things that I could buy with the money that I was making. Yeah. And that balance is so, so important. Extremely. Um, and I just want to kind of interject here and quickly, like since then, um, Gary Vee has kind of like taken his stance on that back a little bit and kind of like mm -hmm. pushed the like, you need to take time for yourself and look after yourself as well. So it was really cool to hear. It's like, okay, so you're not just pushing people to like work until they kind of like pass out. Oh, it's no, it's it's really cool. But I'm all for um, anything of that nature. I live under kind of the umbrella and the mindset that everything is possible. You can do everything that you want. You just have to find a way to kind of and make it happen. Mm -hmm. So if if so, tell me a little bit more about then like the type of clients that you typically work with? Like, are they people in looking to advance their careers? Are they people looking to um, just become more confident? Are they people looking to achieve like health and fitness goals? Like what's your primary clientele? I get a bit of everything. And to be honest, when I first started, I was like, okay, hey, I'm gonna work with males between the age of like 25 and 35. On transforming mindsets, eliminating eliminating beliefs, furthering their careers, losing weight, becoming healthier, you name it, right? And then I got into it and I started doing the promotion and I started looking at the analytics and then who was actually coming through and booking sessions with me. Two of them were males. The rest were all females. We got to kind of switch the plan here and just kind of like cater to everybody and I wasn't opposed to working with females, but yeah. when I was doing my market research, that's all there was. It was all female empowerment coaches. It mm -hmm. was, you know, business coaches for women. There was nothing for males before somebody takes us the wrong way. I'm all for female empowerment. You guys are on a level playing field. You guys are blazing paths that have never been done before or have been kind of repressed before in the idea that, you know, you're supposed to make less than males or you should be at home, stay at home mom, things like that. Right. So to see things like that, I was like, cool, there's a market for this, but I you wanted to see it also for men. I don't know the first thing about female empowerment. I know how to support <laughs> it. I don't yeah. know how to coach somebody necessarily through that. Right. Somebody comes to me and that's what they want. I kindly just kind of direct them to somebody who knows more about it than me. I almost wonder if females tend to look for a male coach in personal development because of because of that gender stigma where males kind of have more of what 
females want in the workplace and confidence in business knowledge and and whatever it is. I almost wonder if that's why you had more females kind of reaching out and showing you that that market was open. It makes sense. And I never thought of it like that. The reason that I wanted to cater to males in the first place is I just kind of thought back and I was like, okay, you know what? If I had like a mentor or somebody through the ages of like 24 through maybe I'd be a little bit further ahead than I was when I finally hit 30. Um, and then at the same time, it was kind of just like, okay, well, this is not who's reaching out. So we're going to kind of tailor mm -hmm. things a little bit differently. Um, but to say that that's why maybe I'm getting female clients, I never really thought of it like that, but it makes a ton of sense. And at the same time, I can relate because there was some things that went down last year and I decided I was going to check myself up into counseling and take care of my mental health. And the first thing I did, I was like, I don't want to go talk to a male. I want to talk to a female, that kind of stereotype where it's like, you know, you have somebody who's compassionate and empathic and softer hearted than the male. I mean, since I was a kid, it was the narrative that was pushed was, you know, get over it, man up, uh, deal with it. You know, you don't cry. You don't talk about your feelings. So I was like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to go talk to somebody who's not going to push that on me. <laughs> who's going to talk about their feelings. Yeah. And I don't think of male counselor or therapist can actually tell you to get over it or just deal with it or grow up i think that's and see that's funny because i actually see a male therapist and he is phenomenal um but i've never like i've never liked having female doctors i've never liked having female like female anything for some reason it's just like a, if I want to get ahead in business, the first person I'm going to go to is men, mostly because my network is full of men and not women that have achieved the things that I want to achieve. As a female who's, you know, diving into entrepreneurship, and I kind of took a look through um, your socials and I seen your Instagram and the blog and everything like that, which is fantastic. It's all really well done and everything. Just while we're on kind of the same topic and before we bring everything back, do you feel as a female diving into that field, that you have to work twice as hard or a little bit harder than say somebody like myself to be um, taken seriously or to get kind of the same opportunities that I may get without putting in as much effort? Um, you know, that's a really interesting question actually, because if you, if you were to have asked me that in regards to my corporate experience, I would have said absolutely 110% because I was like mistreated, I was harassed, I was um, I was taken advantage of, like I was promoted and demoted over seven different times. And at, the interesting thing was with that position was my boss actually saw potential in me. And although he was hard on me and there was a lot of other issues, I didn't feel like I had to try harder because when I showed up, I was really good at what I did. And he recognized that and I did really well for myself. Then I showed up to the second company that I was working for and I was hired actually <laughs> totally by fluke. I ran into the senior director of operations for that this new company and he put in a good word for me and I ended up interviewing against 15 other people that were decades older than me and somehow landed the job of at a director level at 23 years old. That's so, impressive. Good for you. Thank you. When I got into that role, it was very evident, not only that I was discriminated based on my age, but that I was discriminated based on my gender. 
Um, there was a lot of comments and I dressed very professional and I put so much effort into that. And no matter what it was, it's like, somebody's always watching you. Somebody's looking for a way to criticize you. Somebody's looking for a way to put you down and guaranteed if a man was in my role, he wouldn't have faced the same obstacles or the same, um, the same discrimination or the same, um, lack of trust, I would say was always kind of told I needed to be doing more. So there's definitely that stigma in the corporate world. Um, as far as in the entrepreneurship side of things, I actually have found that since transitioning and since starting to kind of look at all the different avenues that I want to build up in regards to my business, there's more women than there are men. What I've seen um, in a lot of these positions, like blogger, entrepreneur, um, I know personally a lot of women entrepreneurs and a lot of a lot of boss ladies, you could say. And so I've been really lucky to be surrounded by that my whole life. And plus, I feel like with my previous experience and kind of the the reputation that I've built for myself in a, a fairly big industry, um, a lot of people know what they can get from me as far as like who I am and what my character is. Mm -hmm. And I think and that's always been the premise that I've built every business and and how I've just handled every job that I've had and everything is that my character is kind of the most important thing. So there's a quote that I have on my resume and it, it says, try not to be a man of success, but a man of value. And it's an Albert Einstein quote. And so to answer your question, um, no, but yes. Like I know there will be obstacles that I'll face, um, but at the same time, that's kind of why I'm doing it. Um, because I, I've always kind of thrived off of I mean, we're talking about mindset. I've competed in two bodybuilding shows. I've done Olympic weightlifting. I've gotten incredibly random jobs that I shouldn't be qualified for. I definitely believe that no matter what you want to achieve, you can do it as long as you put your mind to it and as long as you figure out a plan of action. And so that's something that in all my businesses, that's the message that I want to get across to other young entrepreneurs, um, especially women who feel like maybe they are going to face that kind of ridicule and, and discrimination and um, more setbacks than the men would, um, is that, yeah, you might, but if you go into it kind of expecting that, then you're going to, you're going to have doubt already in your mind. So I just kind of go into everything kind of not thinking about why, why I would fail. And I just go into it thinking about how, how I can succeed. So while that brings me to something actually it's it's cool that you say that you know you go in with the mindset that you're not going to fail it's almost like i find too this comes up every now and then it's like we traumatize ourselves for experiences before we even get into them like go into something and they're gonna be like oh my god like i'm not gonna get this uh it's not it's you know i'm gonna fail at this or they're not gonna see the potential in me or whatever it might be right so it's like you're going in and it's it's almost like you're psyching yourself out and then you don't get the result that you want. So it's like you dealing with like the double trauma of oh, yeah. building it up in your head before you even get there. And then two, not getting the desired outcome that you wanted because yes. you know, you've kind of already imposed that limiting belief on yourself. Yeah. See, and I read um, one of the books that I read when I was doing Olympic weightlifting was Relentless by Tim Grover. And I, he talks a lot about like just uh, mental training and everything like that. And, and the book just shook me because it kind of went over that con because I struggled a little bit with imposter syndrome. All of a sudden I was waist deep in something that 
I like two months ago, I had known nothing about, and now I had to pretend like I knew what I was doing. And one of the things that really helped me was to approach it much like with like, I've seen people talk about on TikTok, the fact that if you post like you're already famous, you will get famous. And that's the thing is like, I walked into a job at 23 years old that I shouldn't be qualified for, but I acted like I was qualified for it. I dressed the part, I looked the part, I, I did research, I, I poured everything that I had into being the best at that, at that job. And same with Olympic weightlifting. I talked about going to the Olympics. I told everybody that was my dream way, way, way before I was even close to getting there. Yeah. And I eventually had to quit uh, weightlifting because of a back injury. But um, I like, I, I always overreached. And I think people kind of always, they would look at me and they'd say, oh, well, you're naive. You're never going to achieve that. But I think that's such an important thing when you're talking about mindset is approaching something like there's no possible way to fail and then handling the obstacles that come up along the way as they come. Mm -hmm. That's, I like that. I like, I love that mindset. And it's, that comes up so often too. I was talking to one of my clients about it once um, just, and he said the same thing. He's like, you know, when I post on Instagram or Facebook, you know, he's like, I talk like I have that 50,000 follower, right? And like one of my favorite quotes of all time um, comes from Charlie Rocket and he calls it um, delusional optimism and it's at the finish line. So it's like, it's already done. Time just hasn't caught up yet. And that's kind of like where I got my drive from. And when a bunch of things happened last year, I was like, okay, no, we're not going to do this anymore. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to do coaching. And it was like, I did like a ton of research on it, found out like it didn't, you didn't need certification to be considered a coach in Canada. If I'm handing over my hard earned money to somebody to like hold me accountable and kind of guide me through something in, in a sense, I want to see that they've kind of invested in it as well. So I took some courses and because of the pandemic and everything like that, they were offering it as a self-study. I was like, cool, we're just going to, hammer through this thing because I have nothing else to do in the evenings like I can only go to the grocery store so many times in a week um, so I got through that course in like no time flat and you know by I think I started it in I think like June or so and by September I was I had the email that um, they had completed like the grading of my final assignments and I had achieved my certification like days before I left for a trip to Montreal and it was like I planned this trip and I was like I'm going on this trip to celebrate like getting my certification without knowing that I had even got it I'm this confident like I got it I crushed the final exam like this is good and yeah like two or three days before I got the notification like right before that's I awesome congratulations thank you it was uh it was cool it was a very nice way to celebrate as well was going to the hot spot for COVID in Canada. Yeah, man, that must have been interesting. I I wanted to jump back just before we kind of veer off of this topic. Um, if you're open to talking about it, what was the turning point for you last year that that make or break moment where you knew something had to change? And what was the what was the factor that really pushed you to change yourself? So um in December of 2019. Um, this kind of ties in with like my music production career. 
um, I had met this really talented kid like prior to this 2013 we had met and we talked about working together for like years and it took five years for us to finally work in like the capacity that was mutually beneficial um, and just from that like the business relationship we had it turned into like a really incredible friendship between the two of us um, I worked on 80% of his catalog and in December of 2019 I had got a text um, one morning um, and it was a really weird morning as well you know when things just don't go like so not to go into too much detail but like I woke up late um, I was one of those people that would roll out of bed and then just like feed my dog bolt to work and get there for 7:30, right when I'm supposed to start and this morning that I woke up it was I woke up at like 10 after 7 middle of December beginning of December sorry and it was like, okay, I have 20 minutes to let my dog out, feed my dog, warm my car up, stop and get a coffee and get to work. So I got there at like 25 to eight. Customers already there, zipped through them and I'm checking in like the last vehicle. And I got a text uh, from a friend of mine and he's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, hey, like really good, man. Like what's good with you? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, this is going on with, um, you know, my girlfriend's family and it's kind of a mess right now. And like before I could even text back and say, oh man, that sucks. Like, I'm really sorry. If you need anything, like, let me know. Um, he's like, oh, and Jake hung himself on Saturday. <gasps> and I had never dealt with something like that before. So it was like time stopped. I can tell you where my coworkers were standing, what color the vehicle was, what time it was, all of that stuff. Right. So that was the beginning of it. And I didn't deal with it immediately. I kind of just like pushed it off and was kind of like you know whatever we're just gonna continue to work and i told my boss about it and he's like do you want to go home i was like no I'd rather be around people and within like an hour i was like hey like if that offer is still on the table i'm gonna go home yeah he's like, yeah no go so i just dove back into work the next day like that was it i came home i kind of like sat on my couch and i was scrolling through facebook and i seen it at that point i i lost my dad last year and um it's overwhelming thank you um but it's overwhelming when you've lost somebody to then go on social media and see their face plastered on everybody's status and every second post is about them it's it, was, it really it, knocks you into next week i took it as like cool i wasn't supposed to find out on facebook was like my like because my morning routine prior to that was like i get up as i'm waiting for my dog i'd check emails, check Facebook, so on and so forth. So had I actually woke up on time that morning, I would have seen all of that. Um, so from there, like I said, I took my afternoon off. I came home, I sat on the couch, I cried. And then like the next day, it was like back to work, 7.30. And just going through like just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Go, 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 go. And I just kind of neglected the grieving process of that which is extremely important apparently so neglected that and then kind of at the beginning of january everything just kind of like came crashing down i had sunk into like a really deep depression i was drinking a lot more than i would commonly um i started gambling a whole bunch um which i had done previously but not to the extent that i was mm -hmm. um I had basically taken the two-year relationship that i was in and threw it out the window and basically just like total self-sabotage but also at the same time like 
just throwing shit at the wall to see what would stick and spark mm -hmm. a certain level of happiness and like try and bring me out of that. After, um, basically it was at that point, I was like, okay, like I can't get any lower than this. I'm I've basically ruined my entire life trying to create like some little pocket of happiness, you know, and to go from there to, you know, not knowing if you're, gonna wake up the next morning by your own doing yeah. it's like okay i can't get any lower than this i've thrown out my relationship let's try to get the relationship back at least and i was in no place to do that either um didn't work but in the process of like committing to all these things that i thought would bring her back i found myself and <laughs> This is cool. And at the Isn't that funny how that works? I feel, I feel like I'm laughing just because I can relate to that so much. And I've had this after several several relationships. Um, but then even after my dad's passing, um, I kind of felt the same way, like I'd reached rock bottom and I really didn't know where to go that was going to make me happy. And so I did the exact same th thing. I just started throwing stuff around and trying to figure out what would stick. And I've heard a lot of people say lately too that like oh just find something you're passionate about and i don't know if you can relate to this but when your whole life has fallen apart you're basically just passionate about surviving like you're basically just passionate about putting your life back together and moving on somehow and you don't know what you're passionate about and so for me just doing a bunch of random stuff and seeing what sticks and and all of that that was actually one of the most eye-opening experiences of my life because I started to actually understand what I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And like, I look back on it now and it's like, okay, I probably could have handled things differently. Um, you know, instead of maybe ending my relationship, maybe I should have just asked for like some support and actually opened up to somebody about what was going on instead of just hiding myself away in my basement, working on music, right after I got home from my job on and also taking time to grieve. Right. So now mm -hmm. on top of grieving the loss of a really amazing friend, I'm also grieving over this relationship that I unintentionally ended. So it's like, okay, it just kind of clicked one morning and it was like, okay, I can't get any lower than this. Let's just be happy. So from there it was like, okay, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and that's the thing like for me it was like i'm just gonna be happy you know and after i made that choice i was like okay we're gonna start going to counseling and we're gonna take that we're gonna see a therapist and then from there we're gonna build the blocks back up right the nice thing about when your heart's completely broken and your life's in pieces you can rebuild it, it like to your liking you can do whatever you want with it so that was the nice part and it was like three sessions into going to see this person that I was like, you know what, I want to do something like this, but I'm also 30 and I don't want to rack up a ton of student debt now. Um, let's see what there is out there. And I stumbled across coaching and hmm. it's like, so in the process of you changing your mindset and healing yourself, you stumbled onto a passion for helping other people do the same. Absolutely. I'm of the belief now that, you know, when you're of service to other people, you're also serving yourself of fulfillment. And it's just, I didn't get that when I was doing music production. It was always about chasing money and 
was always stressed out. I was really bitter. I used to always mm. laugh and kind of joke with my friends. I was like, man, being a music producer is awesome. But at the same time, it's like the best part about doing this is I get to deal with rap artists, which I've loved rap music since I was a kid. And then I was like, but the bad part is I also have to deal with rap artists. <laughs> so it's it was like the give and take. And just after Jake had passed away, it just wasn't fun anymore. Like it wasn't as yeah. cool. It wasn't as... You know, and I think part of that is because like I worked so hard and I was I was scared as well. I was like, okay, like if I was to pass away tomorrow, like what am I leaving behind? What's my legacy? So the ego kicks mm -hmm. in. Like, what am I gonna leave behind? Aside from a few accolades, like I really have nothing to to say for myself, you know? So mm -hmm. it was I did went really hard on that for the month that I was like drinking and all that other really mm -hmm. negative stuff. Um and then isn't I, it Sorry, I just want to interject for a second, but isn't it like, I, I mean, I'm sure this is something that a lot of people feel, but when you're in that place where you like, you're at absolute, like nothing can get worse. You absolute, like you hate where you are. You almost like you focus on it so much that you can't even do anything to help yourself get anywhere else. <laughs> I feel like when I realized how far I'd sunk, it took an, about another month of wallowing in it before I was ready to actually make some change. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree. I think now that you put it like that, yeah, I think the buildup to just deciding that I was going to be happy <laughs> wasn't a complete, like just a switch went off. It, but when you look back at it, it's like, okay, oh, yeah. cool. January, I was in the worst shape of my life. The yeah. lead up to that was like, cool this is you know we're kind of slowly coming out of, we're still there but we're learning that we can dig ourselves out of this and it's just like okay I'm gonna be happy now mm -hmm. I, I I totally relate I felt like I felt like I could see it slowly over a few months where I would wake up one day and I would I would do something that I hadn't done in a really long time or I would like cross a task off my list or I would one of the many things that signaled to my brain that I was doing a little bit better mm -hmm. and I think the more it's almost like which came first the chicken or the egg did you decide to be happier did your actions show you that you could be happy mm -hmm. and like I felt like sometimes you often get stuck in that kind of negative feedback loop of like oh well, I don't like myself so I'm just gonna just be destructive and have these destructive behaviors because I don't like myself and I'm not worthy and then you don't like yourself even more and you kind of go back into that whole cycle where people need to realize you actually have to break the cycle. You have to say, okay, like I'm gonna do something today that if your problem is you don't think you're worth anything, do something for yourself that shows you you're worthy. Like, and it's such a bizarre concept because it's like, it seems so simple. Mm -hmm. And yet actually doing that when you're pulling yourself through a traumatic loss or like a, a really dark place in your life is almost it feels impossible at the beginning mm -hmm. no it is and that came up recently with um just kind of a discussion i was having with a friend you know if you're of the belief that there's you know seven energy centers or chakras in your body if you follow that kind of spiritual belief then you understand like your bottom three are you know, the ones that are activated when you're in survival mode. So if you're living yeah. in your bottom three energy centers and you're constantly pumping like 
testosterone and adrenaline into your system, you know, you're not, you're blocking yourself from a lot of positivity and just being a healthier person. When I'm decided to be happy, I now haven't been sick. It's the, I heard the quote one time and it relates to just living in that constant state of um, survival mode and stress. It's like, mm-hmm. you can't give love when you're being chased by a lion. Oh, oh, I love so, that. I've know, never so, heard that before. No, and it, it's a, it's a great one. It's like kind of, that's my, my four kind of models for living now are like, okay, know that you're protected, give love, receive blessings, give blessings. Those are the four love it. things that I live by now. So out of that survival mode, it was, it took a while for me to notice the changes. It was kind of one of those things. I'd wake up in the morning, my nose would be stuffy all the time, things like that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen anymore. I stopped drinking. So I now can think at all times with a clear head. I haven't drank now in um, 13 months as of tomorrow. That's amazing. Uh, Congratulations. I quit smoking two days before I went to Montreal. And wow. You're on a roll. Montreal, you know that like people like to smoke there. So I was like, oh, am I going to be okay here? Like, and fine. I didn't have a cigarette while I was there. I haven't had one since I got back. And it's just kind of now that I understand that everything is possible, I used to always go into it with the mindset like, you know, quitting smoking is going to be hard. And I was just stuck in Montreal. I was like, I'm going to just keep going because this was easy. I can do two weeks. If I can do two weeks, I can do four and just yeah. kind of multiply it, right? It's like a game. I find I play the same game with myself. I say, okay, well, like just try to make it like two more hours or just try to make it like this long or whatever it is with whatever habit it is I'm trying to break. And you approach it as almost as if it's challenging you. And if it's egging you on saying you, you can't do this and I respond back. I can. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, like I said, you live under the, the umbrella or the mindset that everything is possible and mm-hmm. the amount of things that you can achieve are endless. You can do mm-hmm absolutely everything you set your mind to so and and now i'm curious a little bit because you referred i'm just looping back a little bit to what you were saying about the chakras and i i've been raised christian i have read a little bit about chakras and i um i'm curious because one of the things that i noticed made me feel immensely better was a not watching the news b not paying attention to anything regarding the pandemic online and see totally focusing my time on other creative outlets. And I was going to ask when you, like when you made that shift and you just woke up and you said, I'm going to be happy. Did you make any changes like staying away from certain types of news or social media or whatever it was that really helped you be clear those chakras or. Yeah. And just kind of to stay committed to the change as well that I had, committed to making like at first it was like okay if i change this and this and this i'm going to be able to get this person back and then after a little bit it transferred over to like i feel amazing and it's like all the things that i wanted to do for you i've just done for myself and incredible and Mm -hmm. now i understand it's like i don't need anybody so when i started though it was i changed like everything like i started getting up at Because a large part of it was I didn't have time in the evening to focus on my relationship. I'd get off work and I'd go straight to music. So I was like, okay, we're going to get up at 5.30. We're going to do, we're going to meditate in the morning. And then we're going to 
um, have a smoothie and then we're going to read a book and then we're going to um, do a little bit of music from like 6.30 till 7 and then we're going to go to work. And then it just like it became this like really strict um, routine schedule and routine that I followed. And it was like when you're coming out of a situation like that, you probably notice and you can probably relate. You do things to the absolute extreme and then you kind of scale them. <laughs> That's back. my whole life, Jason. Right. So you kind of scale them back to a point where it's like, OK, this is comfortable. And if somebody sees me doing this, they're not going to think I'm crazy. But nobody writes books or makes movies about the regular people it's always about the yeah. crazy ones no it was a lot of those things i like it i started eating better i cut out processed foods um i started eating extremely healthy and just like i cut a lot of um i guess you could call them like low frequency foods um you know red meats or vegetables things that you would and fruit um you would consider them kind of high frequency um so i started diving more into those and less into the process. I was a huge fan of fat burger. Um, so that one hurt. We've but, got Peter's drive in here. I'm, yeah. I've been down the road. <laughs> that was like the routine. And then, like I said, it was scaling it back, but I, I didn't have cable to begin with. Like I don't watch TV. When I got home from where I was working at the time, it was phone goes on, do not disturb. And it's sitting on the counter. I'm going to read, I'm going to play a little bit of guitar and then, you know, we're going to meditate. And then I'd be in bed by like 8 PM. It was gross. Like, How good did you feel? Amazing. And I lost a lot of friends during yeah. that shift. And it's just kind of like, Hey, you know what? These are now people that if I see them, it's still like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, it's not like it's on bad terms. It's just not people that fit in my life anymore. Unfortunately. That's hard. And that must be one of the biggest battles that a lot of your clients face when they change their mindset and when they strive to change their life. And I saw a lot of this when I was personal training is if their support system isn't going through the same kind of journey, or if their support system doesn't understand the shift that their um, that their partner is planning to make or or that their their loved one is making, or if they don't understand the, the new path that they want to explore, it can be a really isolating experience because a lot of people are like, well, I get to choose either like working hard and like sleeping properly and doing all these things that I know are going to benefit me, or I can choose a social life and like ha having good relationships. And all of a sudden it starts to feel like a trade-off if they're going like you did and making all of these drastic life changes, really saying no to the things and, and drawing the hard line in the sand and saying that part of me is in the past. And how do you, how do you help people work through that when, when they face kind of either ridicule or, or maybe just don't get the support from their, um, from their family and friends that they need to succeed? I am the support system in that kind of instance. Um, you know, for myself personally, when I was going through all of that, I became my own support system. I didn't have somebody that I could fall back on or necessarily a lot of people. I don't want to say they didn't support it. It's just I didn't open up to them about it. And I kind mm -hmm. of just minus the select few. It was like, you know, I had maybe two people that I kind of kept up to date and let them know, like, I'm doing OK. Um, yeah. At the same time, though, I developed new relationships and those people 
became kind of, you know, my lifeline or my support system when I needed it. So to other people who are kind of worried about maybe, you know, having to deal with that, it's, you just get to a point where like, you don't care. Like you just, you're so fed up with the way that things are going and you're ready to step out of that complacency mm-hmm. that you're in that you just, you don't care. And like mm-hmm. I said, for somebody who hires somebody like me, I'm the support system. You know, mm-hmm. I have packages available where it's like, you know, you have access to my personal phone number, you know, as a support system, you know, with mm-hmm. this. And at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, I do biweekly meetings with some clients and, you know, we just kind of check in, but it's like, I'm a constant support system for people that don't necessarily have one or haven't learned how to be their own support system yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think regardless of whether we've learned to be our own support system, I think it's really important for everybody to have a solid support system um, that isn't themselves because mm-hmm. at some point or another, we all need somebody. Jason, it's been so awesome talking to you today and getting to know a little bit about what you do. Um, Just before we kind of sign off here, I wondered if you could just give everybody who's watching this first episode um, just your info, where they can find you if they're interested in your services. Um, And I will do some magic on this uh, video editing that has yet to take place and uh, link it up here for everybody to check out. But uh, just tell us the name of your company and... Anything else you want us to know? Absolutely. Um, website would be uh, rocketfuelcoaching.net. Um, Instagram is Rocket Fuel Coaching, just at Rocket Fuel Coaching. Awesome. Um, and then TikTok is my personal name, oddly enough. Um, Jason B B E E one one on TikTok, um, and then Facebook Rocket Fuel Coaching. Perfect. Well, Jason, it's been an honor. I hope we get to talk again in the future because I have so many other things that I want to ask you about. And I'd say for a first podcast episode, um, hopefully we've done pretty good. Hopefully all of you that have been listening have been able to deal with all of the lapses in basically me not being able to get my words out. But um, thank you to Jason. It was absolutely wonderful to have you and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you for having